0: This morning we are talking about the forgiveness of God. It's fitting, right, after we have this beautiful baptism and dedication. We farewell our friends, the DeJungs, who have just lived in that forgiveness of God and our entire experience of them. We're in a series called Gazing at God's Goodness to, to come face to face with the reality of who God is, not just our caricatures of God, but the reality of who he is. And when it comes to forgiveness, it can be a bit of a tricky topic. If we were to get in a circle, be a large circle, a very honest circle, and shared moments where we've had to forgive others and moments where we perhaps have been forgiven, I think if we were truly sharing from the heart, we would be here for a long, long time because the reality of our human brokenness and our experience on this world is, is of pain, of fractured relationships. Moments of tension, big and small. But what about God? Because God, he is the infinite, perfect, all-powerful, holy God who made all things with a simple word and who holds all things together by his power. When we talk about the forgiveness of God, there is actually no need within God to ever forgive another because he is perfect. And in fact, he has no need to offer forgiveness to those who have hurt him because he has never hurt them. So why would we talk about the forgiveness of God? Because at the very heart of our faith, the very center of everything we believe, we believe in a God who forgives, even though he doesn't have to. It's incredible. If I were to be... Completely perfect and blameless in all the wonder. I don't know if forgiveness would flow out of me, but our God who made all things, that is at the very center of who he is. This series, we've been just sitting in Exodus 34, 6 to 7. It's that first moment in the Bible where God himself just opens a window into his heart. We're not talking about his character. He's talking about his character. And the things that he brings forth are incredible There are all sorts of things that we've been considering, but the one that we come to today is his forgiveness. He says, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. That is who God describes himself as, which is incredible. The reason I think that's so incredible is not just because forgiveness is something that God does or something that God offers to some people. This is who God is, At the very fabric of who God describes himself to be, he describes forgiveness. Let me put it this way. Forgiveness is not something that God does. Forgiveness is who God is. In 1 John 4, the apostle John is describing the ineffable beauty of God, and he says God is love. That is who he is as a Trinitarian God. And flowing out of his love within himself is forgiveness to people like you and I. So in Exodus 34 when he describes his forgiveness. He says, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. The word he uses for forgiving is literally the word to lift. God, as he forgives, looks at the burdens that have been piled upon each of our shoulders, the things that we carry around as we've walked through this broken world. And his forgiveness is to lift that burden off so, that what was once heavy and, and just breaking us is now light because he's taken it from us. He uses three words, I think very intentionally. He says, forgiving wickedness, it's just a general word for those things that we do wrong. He says, transgressions, which is, or rebellion, which is this, this particular word of going against the commands of God. And then he uses sin, which is the word that you often hear in church, which has this connotation of missing the mark, as if we were, our job was to hit the bullseye and we just shoot it off into the sky and completely miss. Why does he use these three words? I think God is showing that as he lifts these burdens off us, he lifts all of them. He takes away every minuscule ounce of our sin and our brokenness off. God is in the business of forgiving us totally and completely. He doesn't, he doesn't just take a little part of us when we forgive here and then we fall into sin again and then he starts to hit us with the rod. No, when he forgives, he forgives in full, not in part. There are some beautiful verses in Scripture that paint this picture, right? Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression from us. From the east, from the west, Micah 7 verse 19, you will again have compassion on us, you will tread our sins underfoot, and I love this, you will hurl all of our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Picture the deepest part of the ocean, he lifts every ounce of sin off us and just curls it down so that it can never be found again. This is the forgiveness of God. It is incredible that a God who has no need to forgive a broken people like us chooses to because he is the God who is love. The, the question I have as I come to this point is what's the catch, right? You know, when you hear a good deal, you're like, oh yeah, it sounds a little too good to be true. What's the deal? I was shopping for some clothes for my daughters a couple of weeks back, and I came across a T-shirt. I thought, oh, that's a nice T-shirt. I looked at the, the price tag, $1.50. I thought, nah, that's too good to be true. How can this shirt be a dollar fifty? I'm thinking maybe there's slave labor or the fabrics. But you're asking questions, right? I walked down the street and saw on a telegraph pole a little sheet that said, um, "Work three days a week for three hours and earn two hundred thousand dollars a year from home." Sounds lovely, doesn't it? How do you? Where's the catch? Where's the cost? Where is the Jesus? Where's where's the catch? Well, the answer is the forgiveness of God is incredibly beautiful and free and yet it is the most costly thing that has ever existed because we don't bear the cost God does so when we want to contemplate the forgiveness of God I I believe that every ounce of scripture from old to new testament reveals a God of forgiveness this is who he is but if we want to see him at his fullness of forgiveness we come to the cross And we witness the cost of the cross that Jesus was willing to pay so that that incredible total forgiveness might be ours. We come and we look at Jesus. And when we come and look at Jesus, we recognize the one who taught that parable that Jenny read so beautifully. The one who, who knew forgiveness so deeply that he was teaching humanity about what it means to forgive and what it means to be forgiven. In a way, he is that king in the parable, offering forgiveness to this servant who doesn't deserve it. He is that person. And how does Jesus model forgiveness on the cross? Well, he goes to a death that he didn't deserve. Again, you might have heard this many times for years upon years of your life, but I want you to to come face to face with Jesus hanging on this cross. He is the only human to ever have existed Who never needed to be forgiven. And yet he finds himself in the place of greatest punishment for others. For you. For me. This is the heart of our faith. Sometimes we, we in our hardness, refuse to offer forgiveness to others because we're angry with them. We're frustrated with them. We feel like we're in the right and they're in the wrong. Well, Jesus unequivocally being in the right, didn't consider any of that to be a right to hold on to. He just gave it all away. Why? So that we might be forgiven. Jesus never ties to this. He has complete freedom as the, the God who made all things, as we've talked about. To, he never needed to step into the world. He never needed to walk to that cross, but he did it with love in his eyes because he knew that forgiveness was costly, but we couldn't bear the cost. And so he bore it for us. And I apologize that this is a bit graphic, but I want you to feel the weight of what Jesus did. As he stood there, covered in the spit of his oppressors, his back dripping blood from where they flogged him, his head crushed with this crown of thorns that they forced upon him in mockery, as his hands were stretched wide upon this cross, as he he looked his death in the face, what did he say? Father, forgive them. Because they do not know what they do. There is nothing more beautiful than the forgiveness of God because it cost him everything. And yet it costs us nothing. Sometimes forgiveness feels like we're coming back to a clean slate. You know, a friendship has a tiff and you go back and forth and you forgive, but you're kind of walking on eggshells for a little while in case one of you annoys each other the same. Sometimes we can feel the same with God. That yes, He's He's forgiven me my sin, but now I'd better not frustrate him anymore because you know that would be the wrong thing to do. But that is not how God looks at us with His forgiveness. His forgiveness is rich, deep, it's infinite in fact when we think about the, the spiritual reality. Here are a few verses that just bring it to life. Once we were alienated from God, but now we've been brought close. Ephesians 3. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Ephesians 2 describes it as once we were dead spiritually in our sin, But now we've been made alive as for you. You were dead in your sins and transgressions. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. There's been a resurrection in our life. But more than that, we were once enemies of God, but we've been drawn in to become children of God. Sons and daughters who can call upon him. Father, Galatians 3.27. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith, every single one of us. And while we were once guilty, we are now completely and utterly forgiven. Colossians 1, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. there's there's language that the book of Hebrews uses that I think is really helpful. Once and for all. When Jesus hung on that cross, bearing the sin of the world, his final words, it is finished. It is finished. Hebrews 10, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Christ once for all. If you're anything like me, I I love that. But then, The life of my week goes on and I start stuffing up again. I go, Oh no, I've done it again. And I fail again and I do the wrong thing again. And I'm not the person that I wanted to be and I long to be. And I just feel like, God, I'm so sorry. Why do I keep letting you down? Why do I keep failing you? And I I wouldn't articulate it, but I have this feeling of like you're just sitting up there disappointed in me, seated on the throne, just shaking your head. Gosh, can't you just get it right? Couldn't you just pull yourself up and do better? I died on the cross for you, for, for goodness sake. Can't you just be a better human? It sounds a bit silly saying that out loud, but it, it can often be our inner script. But that's not true, because God, the infinite one, knew you before you were born. He knew your entire existence before you'd ever taken a breath. He knew the sins that you would commit before he stepped into your life, and he knew the sins that you would forget afterwards. And so the scripture says, by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven once for all. And so in terms of receiving forgiveness, it is a costly forgiveness. It costs God everything. But in terms of receiving it, receiving divine forgiveness from God, it's entirely free. John 3.16, very famous for a very good reason. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Please know that God looks upon you with the love and affection of a child. Like a good father bears with his children as they make mistakes, he walks with us, helping us, forming us, drawing us into the people that we were meant to be, but never with condemnation. Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If anyone here is feeling the weight of their guilt and their shame, Jesus nailed it to the cross. It is finished once and for all. But it's a people of forgiveness who have received so much from God, we must be a people who forgive others. This is where forgiveness gets hard again. There are so many things that God calls us to. You read through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' teaching on what it means to belong to the kingdom, and there's so much there of a holy life. Sometimes it can feel like too much. There are so many things that we know we fall short on, but we rest in the grace of God. When it comes to forgiveness, it's a little different because as our parable taught, those who have been forgiven much must be a people who forgive others. When Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, he said, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Not that our forgiving others is a part of our righteousness, but that if we truly grasp the forgiveness of God, we cannot withhold forgiveness from others because we recognize how deeply we have offended God and how wonderfully he's forgiven us. And so therefore, if we were to withhold forgiveness from another, we're actually showing we never got it in the first place. That's why you, get, you feel it in that parable, right? The, the guy who was forgiven originally the king in Matthew 18, it says in the little footnote, if you saw it in your Bible, that he was, he was forgiven approximately 20 years' salary of a daily labourer's wage. I did the maths. If you were to take the Australian minimum wage and multiply it by 20, which it might have been more, might have been less, it's about a million dollars. This guy's been forgiven a million dollars. He comes to the king and begs, please, king, have patience with me that I might pay you back. He didn't even expect to be forgiven. He just wanted a little bit of wiggle room to try and make the debt good. But the king beautifully, go away your debt is forgiven. And then he puts the screws to the guy in the hallway (laughs) who owed him just a tiny little bit of money. And you show, okay, you just wanted to escape the consequences of your debt. You have no real transformation of what God, this king has done for you. And that's true for us too. When we recognize the weight of what God has forgiven us, we will be a people who forgive. I want to share a story to finish. Um, from Cory Ten Boom. Many of you might have heard this story, but it's it's powerful. It's worth sharing. But just as a disclaimer, she's, she's been through a, a horrible situation in which she offers forgiveness in an incredible way. There are going to be moments in our life perhaps where we are confronted with abuse, manipulation, family violence, toxic relationships, where we are called to forgive, but we aren't necessarily called to stay in that situation. Well, we are called to let go of the weight of burden on our heart, but we aren't to be the doormat that stays in that situation. So I just offer that disclaimer. If anyone is considering one of their own situations, let me read you this story. Corrie Ten Boom, she's a Christian woman who was dedicated to protecting Jewish people in the midst of World War II, responsible for, for dozens of lives that were saved, eventually sent to a concentration camp. concentration camp. Here's her story. At the close of the service, after preaching on forgiveness, a balding man in a grey overcoat stepped forward to greet her. Corrie froze. She knew this man well. He'd been one of the most vicious guards at Ravensbrook, one who had mocked the women prisoners as they showered. He came back with a rush, she wrote. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the centre of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. And now... He was pushing his hand out to shake hers and saying, A fine message, Frau Lane. How good is it to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea? And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among the thousands of women? But I remembered him, the leather crop swinging from his belt. I was face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there, but since that time I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Frau Lane. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. I I whose sins had again and again been forgiven and could not forgive. Betsy, my sister, had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? The just stood there expectantly waiting for Corrie to shake his hand. She wrestled with the most difficult thing I'd ever had to do. For I had to do it, I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. Standing there before the former SS man, Corrie remembered that forgiveness is an act of the will, not an emotion. Jesus help me, she prayed. I can lift my hand, I can do that much. You supply the feeling. So Corrie thrust out her hand. And as she did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, with my whole heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then, but even so, I realized it was not my love. I had tried to forgive and did not have the power. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. It's an incredible story, and I don't tell you that to lift up this huge, wonderful example of what forgiveness could be, but to say that this woman did not feel she had the strength to forgive in herself, but being forgiven by God, being filled with the power of the Spirit, even in this moment, she was able. So we as the people who contemplate the beauty of God's forgiveness, we have this opportunity to then forgive others. And as I think Cory demonstrates, when we let go of those burdens in our heart, we experience the love of God afresh, because we realize we feel the weight of how incredible forgiveness is. Can I pray for us, Father. Thank you so much that out of your love we forgive. Thank you for the testimony of so many in this room that we were not worthy or deserving. We still aren't worthy. We still aren't deserving. And yet your forgiveness is there for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to pay the entirety of our cost. Thank you that we are forgiven once and for all, God. Please help us to see that. Help us to know that. Help us to feel that. Please, Lord, would would you transform us? Would you change us? Would your forgiveness take such root in our hearts that we can't help but forgive others? Holy Spirit, give us the strength because we have not the strength in ourselves. But we love you for all that you've done for us and we worship you and praise you in Jesus' name.